Welcome, everyone, to the Grit, Give, Recognize, Implement Time podcast, the path to empowerment and overcoming negativity. I'm your host, Stephen Nathanson, CEO and founder of Strive for More. It's a world-class coaching agency, and I can't wait for what we have in store for you today. So let's go ahead and dig in. Welcome, everybody, to a very special episode of the Grit, Give, Recognize, Implement Time podcast. I have one of my coaches on the call today, so I'm very excited to speak with her, Kelly Watson, on what everything is around mindset, essentially, what she's experienced in life, who she is, what she's done, what she's accomplished, and how mindset has played a role in that as well as how it's played a role in what she's been able to do with the numerous folks that she's worked with in, in so many different capacities. So I'm truly excited to have just wealth and knowledge on, on the line with us today. So thank you, Kelly, for being a part of this. Well, Steve, thank you so much for having me. It's really a pleasure to sit down and have a conversation with you on something, you know, such a small topic as mindset, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'm sure we'll find plenty to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, and, and it's interesting, right? Because it's a uh, relatively simple kind of concept, which is just incredibly complex and has so many different layers to it as a whole. So true. Yeah. So, so true. I can never do this justice, so I really want to turn it over for you to just share a little bit more about yourself with, with everybody, uh, if you wouldn't mind. Thank you so much, Steve. Um, you know, it took me a long time in my life to realize that it's really very simple what I do. I'm a coach. That's it. Yeah. It's that simple and, and that exciting because I coach in all different venues, all different ways. I coach you through the Todd Durkin Mastermind Group and with Todd through his Impact Coaching Program, which is business coaching, life coaching, personal development, all of that. Um, I also coach writers through my company, Scripter Publishing Group, where we coach them to write and publish their books. And so I use the same skill set and a little different uh, implementation of it and, and coach people that way. And certainly as the owner of Studio 8 Academy, which is a, an online wellness venue, we do all kinds of coaching on everything from how to eat well, to how to exercise well, to how to be your best when you're, when you're up on stage presenting, uh, yoga, all, all different kinds of wellness initiatives. And, and, we, and I do coaching through that as well. So uh, it, it's easy to just say I'm a coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is fair. And, and, you know, it's interesting because I do want to, you know, maybe shamelessly plug Todd because Todd is an incredible individual. And I know that's how we ended up meeting and just kind of the brief background on that for, for maybe our listeners, one thing I'll share, which I don't know if I've shared with, with them yet, but it's, it's the story of how I met Todd is Todd had appeared on NBC strong, which was a show it was back in 2016 you had 10 trainers with 10 female competitors and it wasn't just about getting physically fit but it was getting mentally strong and building confidence in themselves and who they are and truly embracing everything holistically and what drew me to todd truly was just not only his ability as a trainer but his ability to connect with people and to relate to them and the way that he truly actually cares about people and how he lifts them up is what drew me to him and what made me say, 
I've got to be able to meet this guy in any fashion that I can, should I ever get that opportunity? So I signed up actually for his email list after watching that show. Shortly thereafter, got the email about the um, mentorship that he runs for people, went to that mentorship. And then that's where I met this wonderful woman and Absolutely. got connected with, with Kelly. And what really drew me to her as I progressed in the things that Todd offers, this mastermind group that we're a part of, and Kelly's my coach in it, I actually had the option of joining different teams underneath this mastermind. And what drew me to Kelly, very similarly to what drew me to Todd, was the way that she interacts with people, the really kind of the sage advice and wisdom she always has around her as this kind of the air that you carry with you. And I think that what really did it for me too was there's this true compassion that you have for others and helping people. And I think you can recognize along my journey with similar things that you've gone through in your life and your journey that could help me relate to what it is that I wanted to achieve in life and where I wanted to go. And out of all the options, there's great options, by the way, right, of who I could get coached by. But I think that's what drew me to you was really not only being able to give me the tools to succeed, but also mentally to help me through that and to grow to where I am today and then to where I want to be as well. That's excellent. Well, I'll, I'll tell you because I remember our first conversation as we stood at that mentorship, we were in the social hour after and uh, you came up and actually we started talking about you writing a book, right? right? And, uh, and ironically, I'll just close the loop on what you just said. Uh, the woman who actually won strong, Jill May, is currently writing a book right now with Scripture, and we will have her book out probably first quarter of 2021. Love it. Love so it. it's a small world, uh, but all, all that you said, it's the like attracts like, and, and mm. Larry, one of our other coaches would say, substance seeks substance, right? Yeah. And, and you were attracted to Todd because you match the level of compassion and coaching that he has and so it makes perfect sense that you would have been intrigued and and followed up on that and and here we are today yeah you know what i love about where we're headed kind of naturally with this conversation is one of the things that i think is the most difficult perhaps when we don't have maybe belief or confidence in ourselves is having people around us who don't either right or ones who keep us down who don't support us, who make negative statements, who question us, who, who challenge us in, an, in a negative way. You can't do this. You can't do that. You're capable. You're not capable of doing that rather. And why would you ever want to do something like that? And I know, and I can see you through, I think you're head nodding. We've both experienced coaching people who have those kind of relationships in their lives. And that's a huge factor with us in building our confidence, our beliefs, setting ourselves up for successes. Who are we surrounded by and are we actively making the choices to put ourselves in the best situation to succeed by those that we associate with and the mentality that they're going to help build up in us versus tear down? Oh, it's so, so, so true. And then the question becomes, you know, the deeper question is, is our environment impacting us or are we impacting our environment? What's the, you know, where is that coming from? And I, I do believe that our mindset is so important because 
whatever voice we're listening to, whether it's the voice that says, yes, you can, or the one that says, no, you can't, that is the energy that you're putting out there. And yeah. so of course, that's what you're going to attract. It's exactly what you're describing um, when you were you know, connecting with Todd. He was putting out an energy of that was matching yours. And so therefore you took action and connected. Um, but, but so you might understand that the question then becomes, well, well, how do I stop listening to that voice? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and how do I walk away from those people that may not be the people that are helping to lift me up? Um, those are, those are yeah. harder questions. Yeah. And actually maybe to that point within the landscape of everything going on right now, right? The, the politics, the pandemic and everything that we're facing on that front, coupled with now a lot of real challenges for people are working from home and now working more than ever. And then also being overworked because we have too much on our workplace with all of these environments, perhaps kind of speaking in, in this way that you're describing that aren't serving us. I was wondering maybe if you'd share some things that you find that help people kind of amidst these environments to answer those questions that you just brought out. Yes. And one of the things I'll say is there's certain things that we can't control, right? I mean, at, at this moment, we cannot control this pandemic. It, it, the virus is going to do its thing. And there are certain ramifications that we have to deal with as a result. So we're sitting here online today and, and so many people, you know, getting used yeah. to being on Zoom in a way uh, that we couldn't have predicted without this virus. And there's only so much of that we can control. So recognizing that there are things that are not in your control, but there are also a multitude of things that are within your control. Whatever the outcome is, is impacted by the response you have to it. Yeah. So the, the virus happened, that's the event, right? So this virus happened, this pandemic, you know, took over the globe. It resulted in people having to shift on multiple levels. That creates an outcome based on how you respond. So if you respond by saying, by listening to the voice that's saying, this is the worst possible, this is horrendous, you know, everything's terrible, then the outcome will be that. <laughs> yep. But if you respond with a sense of, I can control what I can control, I'm gonna work hard to keep my mindset in a positive, place. I'm going to take all of the good that comes from this and really focus on it. So I see more of it. Well, then the outcome is very different. So there are, you know, the event may be out of your control, right? <laughs> but the response is always within your control. Yeah. And, and I love how you've brought this kind of full circle for me too, because you know, grit, we've talked about it before, and you're naturally kind of highlighting a couple key components in there, right? And when we talk about us being a human being and having both sides, we have both of those voices that you're mentioning. And you're very aptly putting out, uh, putting out there that we have that choice. We always have that choice of which one we want to listen to, give stock to, and which one we want to follow in terms of which is going to dictate our actions and the way that we view these events outside of our control. Either everything's really happening to me and I can't control it, or I've been presented this challenge, this opportunity to overcome, and I'm going to act this way to do that, right? Recognizing we have that choice to make. Yeah. That's right. That's right. I often, um, and you've seen me do this before, um, Steve, I often use 
you know, I've got a pen in front of me, but it could be any stick. <laughs> I use this as a visual example of that. Um, no matter what it is, there's always two sides to the coin. There's always mm -hmm. two ends to the stick, right? And the universe is set up to be polarized that way. So there is always what we would say is a positive end and a negative end, right? right. There's always what we want and what we don't want. There's always how, you know, the, the positive response and the negative response. There's yep. a sun and a moon, there's a black and a white. Like it, it, that's the way the universe is set up. So one of the things I think is important for people to he recognize um, sometimes we think we don't have control of what we're thinking and what we're saying here is we do. Um, it doesn't negate that both sides exist. Right. It's a matter of choosing the focus. So someone might say to me, well, it is terrible. The reality is it's terrible. And I'll say that is true, but it's only one end of the stick and it's the end you're choosing to focus on. So what, what, what is the good? So as soon as something is terrible, then immediately the opposite is also true. There is also something great. And if you can just turn your focus and find even one little sliver of something great, it starts to shift. Mm -hmm. And then if you practice, and it does take practice yeah. to keep seeing the other side of that coin, then that's when you really understand that you have more control of that. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean that the other side isn't true or that it isn't there. It is. Of course it is. Which means the other side is as well. So it's just a matter of training your focus to see the side that creates the, the outcome that you're really wishing for. Yeah, and it's a really interesting point and topic that I think is not only applicable to what we talked about today, right? The pandemic and everything that's going on, but you know, I'm reminded of a conversation I had with a client of mine about their career and interviewing. And we all go through this too of different jobs we're looking for, um, whether it's internal, whether it's external. And our mindset can play a huge role in that interview of itself of, oh, I'm never going to get this job. That can influence naturally how I answer the questions that create that self-fulfilling prophecy because I think that I don't uh, stand a chance or I'm never going to get it or I'm not worth getting that job. It's going to influence not only how I behave, but the actual language that I use, the tone that I use when I convey it and shift into something that we've now created for ourselves. Because as you're pointing out, right, we're only looking at one end of that stick versus the other end. And so it's very interesting how everything's really truly connected together and kind of starts with that, that choice we make of which part of my mindset am I focusing on and how does that play out in life? Yeah, yeah, oh, I love that. And I, I actually think there's another element of it too that I'm fascinated with and I think you are as well. Um, there's, so, so the mindset that you go into the interview in, in your example, actually absolutely is going to impact your responses. It's gonna impact the, the way you answer and how you think of the question and then the words that you use to put out there, but it's also going to affect your physical being. Yeah. And so your physical body and your mind are actually one and the same, right? They, they're not disconnected, they are completely connected. We think of them as two separate, they're not. And so your physical presence, which is what people read very well, right? We read yep. nonverbal cues, your physical presence will also tell the story. So if your, your mind is telling yourself that you're 
not good enough for this job or they're never going to pick you you will be subtly and unconsciously giving that message with your body as well and i find that piece very fascinating uh, because we tend to negate the fact that that we actually can change our physical being which can also impact our mental thinking as well yeah and for the people who are just listening to this on the podcast versus uh, watching this, say on, on our podcast YouTube channel, there's something I want to bring out about Kelly's response that you can only visually see and you can actually, you'll be able to hear it a little bit, but she got more excited with it. She got more animated. She's leaning in a little bit more to the camera as well. To your her point, we can shift our physical sensations when we are truly focused on something that is a serving mindset, something that clearly she's very passionate about and enjoys researching, enjoys learning about, enjoys putting into action and helping other people with. It literally lifted her up and you can hear that in her voice. You can see that in the reaction too. And so I think I'm very grateful to have you on here and, and have you highlight that as well, because you're right. We traditionally think about these two sides of us, our emotional brain and then our, our lizard brain, right? Typically, right? The, <laughs> the rational and then the emotional, but they're truly blended together. And I think there's more and more studies now that actually show that it's not one side or the other. And there's a great book called How, uh, How Emotions Are Made, which highlights some of these studies that when you see different responses from people, there's all kinds of parts of our brain that actually light up in response versus these segregated parts to it, right? Is It's just more proof to we are truly one holistically meshed together human being versus these separate compartments of it. Despite how we, we wanna maybe compartmentalize, we really are truly kind of holistic and, and blended together versus two separate parts. Absolutely, and I'll give you a really good example and your listeners um, can take this as just a, and this is not my work. This is, uh, I'm gonna, uh, Amy Cuddy's work. Mm -hmm. um, she did lots of research on mind-body connection. So using your example of the interview, it may be very difficult for somebody who is very good at, very gifted at telling themselves they're not worth it or they're not good enough. If they're very skilled at that, it might be very hard for them to suddenly flip a switch and say, oh no, I am worthy and oh no, I am good. Um, they may know that that's a possibility, but they've, they're so practiced at seeing how they're not good enough that the, the mental switch may be very difficult. And so in times like that, you can actually go to the physical as one avenue of making mm. that switch. And Amy Cuddy's work, was on, uh, she did some testing on hormones and she actually used the interview, which is why this is, you triggered it in me. She actually used the interview as her, as her research tool because it's such a highly charged uh, atmosphere yep. and people will get so nervous. So it was a good example of, she wanted to test. And so if you are feeling like you're not good enough, your physical mm -hmm. manifestation of that may be curled inward or slouching a little bit in the chair or, you know, protective mode with your arms crossed or your yep. legs crossed, withdrawn, right? That might be the physical manifestation. That's what people would see. So if you have trouble saying, going from I'm not good enough to I am good enough, you can actually do that with your body. So you recognize that you're 
closed off sort of withdrawn physical posture could change if you were feeling like you were good enough, what would your posture be? You might be sitting up straight, your feet both on the floor, you know, your, your shoulders back just a little bit. So you're sitting up more confidently. So you can actually shift your physical posture. Yeah. Amy Cuddy, actually, her, her research was that if you make your body bigger in any way, you know, stretch out and reach out for at least two minutes, that it shifts your hormonal balance mm. so that you end up with more testosterone, which is a confident, more confident building hormone. So you can stretch and move and make your body bigger. And then the result is a better mindset just with that physical shift. So it's just something that's a different way of looking at it, but I think it's important to note since it's coming up. Yeah, no, and, and I love that we're going there because you're, you're absolutely right because of that tie. And a lot of times, we're actually so focused on actions. Okay, well, maybe I recognize, right? I want to embody this mindset, but I have these doubts about maybe my, my self-worth or am I going to get this interview? What actions can I actually take to do this? We're so focused on action that typically, to be honest, what I do with my clients is I say, we take a step back and we understand what are these key mentalities first that perhaps hold me back from choosing what the right actions are. So that once I understand what maybe comes into play that makes me think I'm not worth it. And I can go through that process of understanding those thoughts, counteracting those beliefs. It's easier to then put into play the right actions. And what I love about the actions that you're bringing out now is that it's a nice compliment to that because I can, before that interview, go and do my power pose, right? I can put my hands in the air like I'm victorious and I can stay in that state and I can talk to myself mentally about how I am worth it leverage some of this stuff that we've maybe discovered together that does show that I am worth it. The experiences in my life, maybe that show it, the positive affirmations, because as a quick aside, right, we don't process negatives in our minds. So if I tell someone not to smoke, first they have to think about not smoking in order to think about, or they have to think about, excuse me, smoking to think about not smoking, right? So we have to think about the positive verse first versus the negative. So just a quick trick there as well mentally if i want to maybe supplement say that that power pose that you're bringing out is those positive thoughts the things i do want to achieve away from what it is that's non-serving the stuff that i don't want to focus on uh, so i love the, kind of the compliment there and how this is all really coming together and maybe a great question for our listeners are there any other tidbits like this do you think that would be helpful for them yeah, that's a, you're absolutely right. I love that you just brought that up, Steve, that um, when you when you make the physical shift in the posture, then you also reinforce that with the positive affirmation, the positive thoughts and the things that you know are true that you're not fighting in your head. <laughs> um, and, and then that just elevates in, ess in, in essence, that whole positive mindset as well. Um, there are so many different techniques that you can use for mindset. Um, one of the things that I would suggest is, and, and you just touched on it just a little bit with limiting beliefs, you were kind of going to the, you know, what's, what's the, the unconscious barrier that's keeping you from right. being able to see yep. or get to what you want to get to. Um, limiting beliefs are profound. We all have them yeah. and they are, they are something that was ingrained in us, typically in our childhood. It was told to us enough times and reinforced so that we 
accepted it and, and basically assimilated it into our beliefs. And oftentimes, you know, at the time that belief might have served us well, but then, you know, now in our life, it may not be serving us, it may be holding us back and we may not even right. be fully aware that it's there. Yep. But if you really want to shift your mindset, you do need to address those limiting beliefs and you need to really look at what is it that I was taught? Is it really serving me? And is there another way for me to look at this now? Another belief that I could begin to assimilate that would help propel me toward where I want to go now at this point in my life. And so I think that's a really good exercise and there's all kinds of ways to do that. But I do think it's an important piece to really achieving a very positive, confident mindset is recognizing what's keeping you from that right now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll, and I'll say one of the things that I do with a number of clients when we actually go through this process of grit is in that process fundamentally is exactly that is uncovering what those limiting beliefs are and then what those serving beliefs are as well to help us actually fruitfully take those steps forward to really know that I am worth it. I am capable. And I, and I love to use this example too, is oftentimes a very real example for a number of us is I'm not good at math. And so when the check comes at dinner, I'm just passing off the check because I don't want to calculate the tip or embarrass myself or screw it up. So I'm going to just pass it off and avoid it. And it comes down to that belief of, I can't do math, but that's not necessarily the case, right? And that's just a limiting belief that we have that prevents us from doing that. But uncovering what leads into that then allows us to decide what those right actions are for me to take to overcome that and then actually be able to, to practice that. Well, am I going to just take the tip and then maybe if it's 15% that I want to leave, maybe I do 10%. So how do I do that? Do I just move the decimal, perhaps one number? And what is that? Let's say that's $28. Then if it's 15%, do I do half of that? So it's another $14, right? And this is actually how my brain processes and works it and chunks it up into something that's easier. Um, for, for me to do, right? Instead of saying, oh, I need to do 15%. Well, I can more easily do 10% and I can do half a 10%. So I can do 10% first, half of that, add them together. And then there's there's my tip and then I can add that to the total. So that's actually literally how I do it. <laughs> or or 20%, that. right? You know, I can do 10% and then, and then double it, um, which is exactly what I do when I do 20%. So how do we maybe find what those right steps are for you and what maximizes your strengths and what you are capable of doing to then find the right action for us to say, overcome that, that limiting belief. So I think that's a wonderful thing that you brought out and definitely a key part of that process that comes first before trying this or trying that, because we can often lead to trying the things that aren't going to serve us because we haven't addressed the mentalities and then end up thinking, oh, we're never going to change because this wasn't successful or I couldn't do this. Right. That's right. You're also bringing up another point that's worth mentioning um, because you just were used the, the, the phrase, well, I'll never be, or I yeah. never can, mm -hmm. or, you know, so, and, and then you also said you chunk it down and you know, chunk it up into portions. So another thing to recognize is that the human brain tends to go to generalization very quickly. So this mm -hmm. is a little of the NLP we were talking about, right? We tend to think because it happened once, it therefore happens all the time. <laughs> and because one person said it, then everybody's saying it, you know, we right. tend to go right to generalization. And so we then begin to re 
um, reiterate to ourselves, well, I never can, or, you know, I, I can't ever do it. So the, the key to that is to one, recognize that there's a generalization and then chunk it up as you described into portions that you can do. So instead of, I can't do math, what you started saying, even in your example was, I can find 10%. Yeah. I can move the decimal and you hear the change of the, of the word. As soon as you start saying can, as opposed to can't, then more opportunities for what you can do start showing up. I can move it one. Oh, I can half it again. Oh, I can figure out what 15% is. Oh, I can do this if I figure out 20%. So you hear the shift in the vocabulary yep. and it happens instantaneously. This doesn't have to be uh, you know, Einstein, you don't have to figure out why that happens. It's just human behavior and the way that our brains function. Yeah. So recognize that when you're hearing your own voice saying, I'm never good enough, or I can't do it, that you're generalizing. And that if you just chunk it up into something manageable that you know you can do, you can tackle it one chunk at a time. Yeah. And it's absolutely 100% true, right? And uh, even Lalo was agreeing with that. One of my dogs, as you guys probably heard, barking in the background. And I actually want to use them as an example for this, right? Because Layla is a very intelligent girl and she can open doors if they're, if they're handles. So she can pull them open and push them open both ways. And she's never been one where I needed to maybe encourage that, oh yes, you can do it, right? She's always been very Believe, she, she has a lot of self-confidence, a lot of belief in herself for, for a little one and a little dog. The other dog that I have, Jude, is different. And it's interesting because he will perhaps try to say, get a ball that's maybe snuck its way under the table or a chair, maybe not be able to quite get it, uh, perhaps go about it from a different angle and maybe not quite get it. And he really can actually do it. It just takes a little bit of encouragement actually on my end of like, you can do it. You can, you got it. And if I say that to him, he actually will go and get it. He just needs that little extra oomph to be able to kind of chunk it up and then have some of that support, tying it back into what we talked about really at the beginning, setting our environments up with people that do support us is sometimes we do need those little chunks to try something to start making a little bit of headway, get that final kind of affirmation from someone around us that we know we can do it. And then yes, look at that. We actually can achieve it. Uh, so just a I quick love little that. doggy One of the time. things I love about you, Steve, <laughs> is that you can use your dogs as a perfect example. And it's so true. It's exactly right. They're no different than us in that regard. We do the same thing. And and there are times and in our life where we have a skill that we know we can do and we can we do it just like Layla. And yeah. there are times in our life where we're not quite sure. And there is a sense that we want to just let somebody else do it for us. Like, come on, dad, you pick up that ball. I'm not going right. to do that work. But with a little encouragement and a little coaching, perhaps, uh, <laughs> we can overcome the belief that we can't do it and figure out that we can. And then, and then the reward is the confidence to be able to do that again. And then once we know we can do it again, it allows us to even do more. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if, if I think on the conversation that we've had today, I think some of the things that stand out to me are that number one, the mentality we go into something with can greatly influence how that goes for us. Mm -hmm. And then number two, there are things that we can do 
physically and with our environments that can help ensure success, whether it's uh, power posing, whether it's uh, the thoughts or maybe the visualization, which we, we actually haven't covered yet, but maybe that's a piece of it that leads us to success in our own mentality and then having somebody in that environment to support us, right? Who believes in us. And I actually think that's one of the most powerful things you can do for someone when they don't believe in themselves is believe in them for them because that will build belief in them too. Um, yeah. yeah, actually, I want to maybe just pause there. That's kind of what I'm taking away from our, from our conversation. I'm curious, what, what's standing out to you from today? I agree with you. And I think um, I've often said it only takes one person to believe in us mm. for us to be able to do it. My coach, Larry Indiviglia, when I first joined the Mastermind, you know, I was just starting a fitness career. I was going to open my first studio and I was responding to emails. And Larry said to me, you're really quite a writer. And so he encouraged me to start writing some blogs. So I did that. And he said, you know, you really should write a book. I believe you could write a book. That's all it took. Now mm -hmm. I had always thought, even in, when I was five years old, I still have it. I have the, this book that I drew for my grandmother and I gave it to her about a little girl who was homesick from school. Of course, on the day I was homesick from school, and I gave it to my grandmother and said, I, you know, someday I want to be a writer. So I had always somewhere had like some kind of ephemeral dream that I'd love to be a writer. Uh, but it was Larry saying, I believe in you mm -hmm. that allowed me to do it. And, you know, look what happened, you know, not only did I write one, but then I ended up starting a company that helps others people write their books. Yeah. So the, the belief of one person is very powerful and it yeah. only takes one, just takes one to see it, to allow you to achieve it. So mm. I think that's a great takeaway. Yeah. And I agree that the, uh, a, a good takeaway is recognizing the connection of mind and body mm. that mm -hmm. shifting one will shift the other that uh, doesn't have to all be mental yeah. and be physical. And um, also, you know, recognizing that there is a positive and a negative always, always. And so you can train yourself to see the other side of it. And if you can do that, then your response will be different and therefore the outcome will change. Yeah. So um, those are great takeaways. Yeah. And, you know, one thing to maybe close the loop on, because I mentioned visualization too, to, to your point about the shift and the connection between mind and body, what always comes to mind for me when I think about visualization is the, the movie Cool Runnings when uh, in the hotel room, right, the, the driver of the sled is visualizing the turns and the hands are moving because we're building in kind of the neural pathways of how is my body going to react and adjust to the sled going through these these different turns and there's a big reason why a lot of people especially athletes use visualization because not only does it help con uh, form but also strengthen that connection between mind and body and then shorten the time frame for reactions in actual athletics whether it's soccer whether it's football whether it's uh running an ironman or if it's going down a bobsled track visualization is a huge part of it and it can be the same thing going into that interview, uh, going into that conversation with somebody, going into giving a, a talk, whatever it happens to be, visualization can be a huge part of our upfront work to ensure our success and shift our mindset going into that talk.
or whatever it happens to be. You're absolutely right. There's a great study out there. <laughs> this is a, a good one. Um, there's, I, I won't remember exactly who did it, but it was a, a study on people who actually exercise versus people who visualized exercising. Mm. And the results were that 70, the, the people that visualized it and didn't move off their chair, but they just did a full visualization of doing the workout actually got 70% of the same benefit of huh. the people. Now I don't, share that so that your audience stops exercising because <laughs> it's important to exercise. Yeah. However, um, it makes your point that our mind does not know the difference. It doesn't recognize the difference between what is a vision and what is a reality. Mm. And that works the other way too. So I want to add to your point because it, if you're visualizing that you can't, your brain doesn't know the difference from that either. And so the visualization process is really important that you, you, be, you begin to get clarity on what you truly want and what you're truly, truly working for because your brain will, recognize, will not recognize the difference between that vision that's very clear and the reality of it. Mm -hmm. And it will immediately yeah. begin pushing you toward it, um, whichever way you're visualizing. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm going to have to say, we're probably going to have to have you on again, just because I think you and I could probably talk endlessly on this because we're both such students and learners in this realm and love actually seeing it play out with our clients too, and helping them in, in their own lives. Uh, so I, I would love to have you on again. And I actually would love if you wouldn't mind sharing some ways for our audience to, to reach out to you if they have any questions of their own. Uh, if they can reach out to you, I'd love for you to, to share that and how they can Thank do that. Thank you. Of course. Yeah, Steve, you and I could talk all day. This is <laughs> <laughs> We both get excited about this kind of stuff. Um, but yes, if anybody is interested in finding out more about me or what I'm doing, or if they'd like to get in touch with me, you can reach me most easily at my, my email, kellywatson88 at gmail.com. It's kelly with an I kellywatson88 at gmail.com. Feel free to email me, give me your thoughts, ask me your questions. You're welcome to reach me there. You can also connect with me through my websites and see more of what I'm doing on Scripter. It's scripturepublishinggroup.com. That's my publishing company. Uh, Studio 8, which is my online wellness center, is studio8academy.mykajabi.com. Uh, M-Y-K-A-J-A-B-I, studio8academy.mykajabi.com. So you can check me there or check me out on Instagram or Facebook or any of the social media sites, um, Kelly O'Brien Watson or Scripture Publishing Group or Studio 8 Academy or Todd Durkin, um, any of those arenas I'm available. So I'd love to hear from you if any of this resonated with you or you'd like to connect. And I, I really appreciate that. And I urge you to, to seek Kelly out if you want to chat about anything that she's brought up today, just because she has been absolutely invaluable and continues to do so uh, in my own career, my progression, and the things that I have on my plate my, in my own business. So um, I know that I've greatly benefited from having you in my life and as a coach. So I greatly appreciate you as well. Well, I write back at you and, and I believe in you, Steve. I have well, from you. the first conversation mm -hmm. we ever, when we met. So um, love what you're doing, love the kind of work that you're doing and the way that you're helping people and continue to encourage you to do that, making such a big impact. Well, thank you. And I, 
I really do appreciate that. And I want to throw one last thing out there. I apologize for, as you were talking, looking down, I wanted to make sure that I quoted the book that I mentioned earlier about how emotions are made. So I, I wanted to make sure I got the right author out there. Uh, the book is called How Emotions Are Made, The Secret Life of the Brain. And it's by Professor Lisa Feldman Barrett. And it's a really great, interesting read that uh, for me, my scientific brain <laughs> makes very good sense of how emotions are kind of made and formed in us. And then the feelings are really kind of the visceral reactions that we get from experiencing what we closely relate to kind of the stored memory banks of what we think these emotions are that we formed over the experiences of our life. Uh, it's a really good read. I think it provides a lot of great insight on the way that emotions do kind of interact with us in our, in our bodies. And again, you'll, you'll see some of that proof in there too about the studies that show that we really aren't two separate brains, we're one brain, right? And we're very intertwined as well. So thank you for allowing me to kind of look that up as you were, as you were talking. I apologize for, for looking down while doing it, but truly grateful for having you on the show. Uh, again, if you have any questions for, for me, you can reach out to me. All that information will be out in the, in the outro. If you have anything for Kelly, please reach out to her as well. And thank you very much for, for listening to the uh, Give, Recognize, Implement Time podcast. Thanks so much, Steve. All right. Until the next time, guys, be the movement in your life. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. And if you enjoyed it, please subscribe to it. If you would like to also learn more about grit, give, recognize, implement time, my company, Strive for More, or myself, Stephen Nathanson, please email me at steve at striveformore.com. And that's strive, F-O-R, more.com. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, or you could visit our website at www.striveformore.com. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, be the movement in your life.